0: All right. Let's take our Bibles uh, this morning and turn to the Psalms. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm seventy. Uh, excuse me, sixty-eight. Psalm sixty-eight, and allow me to say to all the fathers here this morning, Happy Father's Day. Uh, we we've got a couple of gifts. Uh, you have your choice. We've got this mug out there for those of you that like. Is that the right way to say it? Mug. Cup, insulated cup, and uh, I think it's hot or cold. It does say hand wash only. So, but uh, you can either choose that, and it's got. Uh, as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua twenty four, and then uh, we've got uh, we've got a knife. We've had these before, and I'll tell you what, it's a good little knife. Nice stainless steel blade, and what I like about it. It's the kind of knife you can keep in your pocket, in your pants, suit, uh, dress pants. You know, the the big crocodile Dundee knives are fine for cargo pants, but they don't really work good in a suit. So it's nice to have a little toad poker in your, in your pocket all the time, and uh, you can you could choose that if you'd like, but we want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. You know, Mother's Day, it's lots of affection and sentiment. Uh, when it comes to the preaching, right? I mean, you know, always the preaching is uh, appreciation for mom, and then on Father's Day for the fathers, it's a face full of quills. <laughs> but we're going to change it up a little bit this morning. We're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different. Someone said, "Happy Father's Day! May your tie this year be great." And then, uh, brother. Uh, King sent me a text. He said, Happy Father's Day. Father's Day is the same as Mother's Day, he said, but the gifts are smaller. <laughs> so, all right, let's take our Bibles and go to the Psalms and the 68th chapter this morning and Psalm 68 and verse 5. The Bible says that our God is a father of the fatherless. And a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd direct us now in the moments that we have together as we talk about fathers, as we talk about our God as our Father. And uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, this message would be an encouragement to all fathers and future fathers as we talk about Helping Dad. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Helping Dad, Father, the term, it's a term highly esteemed in Scripture. The Lord's Prayer starts out, Our Father, which art in heaven. And of course, our Heavenly Father is the perfect Father. And that title speaks of our relationship with him. In Galatians, Paul uses a term of endearment in chapter 4, Abba, Father. It's Aramaic, and it's a term of endearment. It answers to our daddy or our papa. And to think that we could be on such an intimate level with our God is really amazing. Father, Father. want to talk to you this morning about helping dad, helping dad out. Usually I have a lot to say to the dads, and we'll have some to say, but I want to talk to the rest of you this morning about helping dad. Let's take our Bibles and go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. And how important is fatherhood? We're going to look at Malachi chapter 4, and and when I get done reading this, you'll understand what I'm about to say here. If I didn't give you anything but this this morning, we could probably close in a word of prayer, and I will have given you enough to think about in regard to the importance of fatherhood. In fact, there's times I think I should. You know, sometimes you make an important point. And then you keep talking until that point has been obscured and I hope I don't do that today but I I just want you to see this and I want you to understand that when God gets done in Malachi 4 it ushers in the 400 what's called in in in, in Bible (coughs) excuse me the 400 silent years in other words God has nothing to say to man for 400 years until Christ shows up, and and then you have the New Testament. So the last thing that God's going to say to man for 400 years, I want you to look at this, and I think just that alone underscores the importance of it. But if you look at verse 4, the Bible says, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, we don't have time to drift over onto this particular rabbit trail, but if you study the book of Revelation, it looks like Elijah shows up again during the tribulation period to help Israel, and so does Moses. And that's what he's referencing. I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The second advent of Christ when he comes to the earth to judge and make war. And then notice what Elijah's going to do. Now remember, this is the last thing God says to man for 400 years. And he says this, verse 6. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children... And the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Folks, there's no more up-to-date book in the world than the Bible with all of its these and thous. Look at the world around us. Look at all the problems we're having. In our society, and let's just talk about one in broad terms. The breakdown of the family, lawlessness, and crime, and the hopeless cycle of these things in the inner cities. And you know what all the experts are finally coming up with hundreds of years after this was written? You know what it all revolves around? The absence of fathers in the home. And look how God puts it. He said, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The absence of the leadership of fathers in their homes, in our country, has brought upon us all of these curses that we're dealing with. Folks, this thing is ahead of tomorrow's newspaper. Think of it. The last thing God wanted to say to man before he went silent for 400 years, and he references the return of Christ. He references the latter days, or the last days, as the Bible calls them, in another place. And this is what God talks to us about. And if we look around with our eyes open and we're observant and we're thinking, we'll say, yeah, that's that's what's gone wrong in our country. Dads that either aren't there, period, or dads that might be there in body, but not in soul and spirit. Lest I smite the earth, with a curse. God's order of things is patriarchal. And by the way, I don't think it's any great mystery that our society, our culture, is against biblical masculinity and fatherhood and the patriarchal setup that God has in his word. Amen? It's against it. Entertainment, it's against it. We've gone from Father Knows Best to The Simpsons. Or worse, where fathers are portrayed as as bumbling idiots instead of natural leaders in their homes. Christina Summers was a, a writer who wrote a book called Who Stole Feminism? And then her second book was The War Against Boys. I happened to read this particular book. The subtitle was How Misguided Feminism is Harming Our Young Men. The Demonizing of Things Masculine in Our Culture. Oh, toxic masculinity. (coughs) is code for let's get rid of masculinity. And turn all the boys into little fruit loops so we can control them. Because they're getting too dangerous. Well, the reason they're getting dangerous is because they don't have their dads anymore. But these same people want to push dad over a cliff. I don't suppose there's anything such as toxic femininity there couldn't be. Because the only ones that are bad are men. (laughs) And you see the mess we're in, the gender-bending. And it's not confined to the culture wars. Uh, The ideal man now, according to our culture, (coughs) is the strong, weak, vulnerable, tough, big, little, masculine, feminine, darkish, lightish, Biggish, smallish, impossibility. So a lot of men have just thrown their hands up and quit. And we're reaping the results. I think it's interesting after 9-11 and 01, masculinity for just a little while in our popular culture was, was at a premium. In fact, one one. woman writer wrote an article she wrote an article shortly after 9-11 welcome back John Wayne (laughs) talk of heroes running back into into the into the twin towers and risking their lives and some of them losing their lives to save others and the idea of going to war against this new enemy and on and on and on for a little while masculinity was at a premium but it's sunk back into the demonization of it. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying, look, I'm, I'm talking to everybody else but the fathers this morning. We gotta help dad. We gotta bolster up dad. We've got to encourage dad. And the first thing I say this morning is, is to the wives Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, and the wives see that she reverence her husband. It's interesting, you go through that whole section from verse 21 to 33. It's a definitive section of scripture on the marriage relationship, husband and wife, Christ and the church. And when Paul sums it up in verse 33, he says, the biggest thing, guys, is love your wife. That's bottom line. Whatever you do or don't do, love her and make sure she knows That you do love her but then he says this to the wives and wives see that you reverence your husbands what does that mean that means not only to submit to him which is in the context there (coughs) excuse me but to esteem him and to lift him up put him on a pedestal i tell young couples in premarital counseling (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. I tell the wives, uh, uh, these these. Uh, um, um, well, they're not. She's not a wife yet. She's a fiance. Anyways, I tell the girl because she is a girl. Those are the only ones we do, by the way. Here, in case you were wondering, you know, here. We do the the man and woman thing. We don't do any other ones, and only one of each. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of things, because that's coming next, okay? You know, three, four, five, more the merrier. Yeah, I I believe that's all coming. Um, I mean, why not?
1: (laughs) We've done everything else.
0: But I tell the the little girl, I say, look, I said, put him on a pedestal. Make him your knight in shining armor. Now, now look, I know he'll fall off, (laughs) but... After a while, he'll be able to stay on that pedestal and be in your knight in shining armor, uh, gals. You have no idea. Maybe some of you do by observation, but but intuitively you don't. You don't know how we will knock ourselves out to impress you. If you're impressionable, uh, my wife and I, our first six dates. I hate to admit this. It just shows you what a denso I was, but that's what I was. Our first six dates, we went to the same Italian restaurant, Nick's La Cantina, six Fridays in a row. She kept saying yes, so I figured, why ruin a good thing? You know, just (laughs) keep it going, keep it going, you know, and we sat at the same booth. I sat on the same side of the table. She sat at the same time, ate the same food, And I probably told the same stories over and over and over again. Some of them were baseball. Some of them were hockey. Some of them were whatever. You know, I was still a legend between my ears in those days. And she just sat there. and, Wow. Oh, wow, that's great. And you know what she was doing, girls? She was wrapping me around her finger. Reverence him. The world's gonna tear him down. He's gonna go out this week to slay the dragons for you. And dragon slaying isn't the business it used to be. It's getting harder to make a living out there. Doesn't seem how much, doesn't seem to matter how much you make, the value of that dollar is going down and down. And, 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 and your man, your husband, your dad provides the infrastructure in which you move and live and have your being, to use the phrase out of the book of Acts. He provides the foundation. He provides the walls. He provides the roof. He provides the transportation. He provides the priesthood. He provides the protection. Reverence him. We say, well, my mother doesn't like him. So we're going to talk about mother-in-laws for a second. My mother doesn't like him. Then tell your mother, sister, to like him or break fellowship with your mother. Yeah. Stand by your man. Stand by that's your job you want him to do his job that's your job you know we saw these little ones here and and they they make noise and they can be unreasonable get up in the middle of the night and when you can ill afford to lose sleep on a given night they don't care they're gonna cry their diapers dirty they're hungry or whatever it is But all of that's gonna be small potatoes. You know, they always warn you about the terrible twos. And then you have a 20-year-old. And you find out they didn't warn you about the terrible 20s. And I remember one time, my wife was chewing my son out. And she's looking up at him, chewing him out, and he's just standing there looking down at her like this. And I started laughing. And she looked at me, she said, what are you laughing about? I said, would you like a stool? (laughs) Lift him up to your kids. Because dad might have to step in someday, and he might be the only one that can get the job done when they get a little bit older. Reverence. How about this one? Honor. Honor. And by the way, in Proverbs 31, we read in verses 28 and 29, where the husband is to rise up and 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 call her blessed and praise her, and then what happens is her her children, the, the children follow suit and they praise their mother and and mom isn't that an encouragement when you're appreciated? Yeah, your husband appreciates it too. He needs it, he needs it. Uh, honor the Bible says honor thy father and mother to the children over there and. Ephesians chapter 6 verse two, "To hold in high regard, to speak well of." I, I always think of this misguided feminism where they, they decided they wouldn't, you know, they'd they quit taking on the last name of the husband and that, and so there were all these different gyrations and stuff. and he say, "Well, I'll just keep my maiden name. Yeah, but that's a man's name too. That's your dad's name. I think you're stuck. But you know what? It just shows that they're looking at it 180 degrees completely wrong. Hey, he is giving you that name and that should be an honor to carry that name. Honor. Now his reputation hangs on you. Wife, his reputation hangs on you. Young person, honor him. Honor that reputation. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. I'm talking about a patriarchal setup. That's the way God set it up. And we've gotten away from it. And in our country, we're paying the price. We're paying the price. Now, don't misunderstand. The patriarchal setup doesn't demean femininity, doesn't demean the woman. It's just that dad has his place and mom has her place and the children have their place. And when you start twisting and convoluting that around, you get into trouble. And we can see it all around us. Proverbs 28 and verse 7. Honor him. Proverbs 28 verse 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son. But he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. I've had more than one young person be brought into my office by their parents, young person rebellious, getting into trouble and stuff, and and have him say to me, well, all they care about is their reputation. (laughs) And I've said to more than one of them, I said, and you don't care about yours? There's a little inconsistency here. Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs 29 and verse 3, Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. I was never one of these preachers that thought all my kids had to be preachers and that kind of stuff. I wanted my son to be a man. I wanted my son to be able to work. I wanted my son to love the Lord. I wanted my son to be a good dad and a good husband. I wanted my son to have my grandkids in church. And I got that. And I'm happy. And I'm blessed. I don't know what more I could ask. I'm not going to shoehorn him into the ministry if God hasn't called him there. If he has, then great. But if not, if his pulpit is a dentist's chair, okay. He said to me more than once, he said, Dad, I don't know how you can do what you do. I said, son, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing staring down people's mouths all day. <laughs> My daughters both married good men, men that are men. Men that can shake your hand, look you in the eye. Men that can work. Men that are responsible. Men that love my daughters. Men that, are, that love, love my grandkids. And they have them in church. I can't ask for anything more. Do you know why I believe part of that is? That little girl sitting there, she honored, reverenced, and esteemed me in their eyes. And there was a time in their lives where dad could do nothing wrong. My kids probably thought at one time in their, their, their young lives that I was the fourth member of the Trinity or something. We used to have this little game I'd play. I'd come home sometime. And the girls would be there and my wife would be there and I would just roll up a sleeve and do that. And they would faint. Oh! They'd both fall back into a couch or a chair. And i tell him, I won't, I won't show you two of them. It's too much excitement for one day.
1: <laughs>
0: you know. It was a little different with my son. Him and I would have to fight. <laughs> I did retire undefeated, but he did get past me. I remember the last fight. There might be some of you guys that were there. He was back from Bible school between his second and third year of Bible school or something. But, you know, he was, he was working out and getting all, all big and everything. I, I, I'd give him a hard time. I'd say, hey, you been buffing your statue lately? You know. <laughs> I said, can you move? I said, do those arms actually? I'd give him a hard time. Then he'd try to come after me. and So one day, I think it was between his second and third year of Bible school, during the summer we had a cookout, and he had about half a dozen of his Friends here from the church, young men about his age. There might have been a couple of you there. I don't know what got into him, but he just started. He come up to me right in front of everybody in the backyard. He said, "Give me a push." What are you doing? Oh, come on, Dad. Come on. <laughs> I thought to myself, if I didn't know any better, I think my son was picking a fight with me on my back lawn in front of all these people. <laughs> And sure enough, he pushed me a third time. And he was way past me strength-wise by then. And I thought, all right, got to make this fast. <laughs> and, you know, I'm no, you know, I'm no Chuck Norris or nothing, but I wrestled in high school for a couple years. And, and so if I get close in, I can handle myself all right. And so sure enough... I, I got in on him, I locked up with him a little bit, and he didn't wrestle, and he gave me his legs. And I went down and took him. And I put him on his back, but he was too strong. He flipped over, and he, and he was, you know, trying to get up. And I remember trying to break him down. It felt like I was dealing with a statue. <laughs> but I was riding him, he couldn't get up, and finally, somehow or another, I got him to his back, and I stuck him. And all this took 30 seconds. Because it would have taken 45 i I'd have been out of gas. And I remember I got up, and I was kind of mad at him. I said, oh, you stupid idiot, what are you doing this for? I, I didn't hate you a minute ago, but I hate you now. <laughs> I, I told you, you know, my girls were hard to give away at the weddings. My son, I just apologized to Sarah, that's all I did. And say good. I get my work boots back. I get my garage back. I get my tools back, and I won't have any more big puddles of oil all over the floor. So I got up, and he got up, and you can see he was really perplexed. And he stood up, and he took a couple steps back, and he said, "I don't know, Dad." He goes, "All I can say is I think maybe old muscle is stronger than new muscle." <laughs> he said that I started laughing I said son has nothing to do with muscle I said I technique you (laughs) you're stronger than I am and that's it I, I said I retire I'm retiring undefeated but you know what I give my wife a lot of credit for lifting me up to those kids and man that's what you need to do lift up your husband You say, well, he's got all, yeah, you got faults too, okay? You got faults that he knows about, but the Bible commands him to lift you up before those children and to esteem you. Let's go to the next one. Look at Proverbs chapter one, and this is all over Proverbs. I I could give you verse after verse after verse, but here's the next thing you can do to help dad. And it's found in Proverbs chapter one. And verse eight, uh, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Look at chapter four, just a couple pages over. Chapter four, verse one, starts out and says, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. It's found in Proverbs three twelve. It's in Proverbs 13, one. It's in Proverbs 15, verse five. It's in Proverbs 15, verse 20. It's in Proverbs 17, verse 21. It's in Proverbs 17, verse 25. It's in Proverbs 23, verse 24. It's all over the book of Proverbs. God says to children, listen to Dad. It seems like there comes a time in every kid's life where they just kind of get deaf to their parents. And, uh, And we've all had this experience. I know I did it to my dad. And my kids did it to me. They would come home one day after talking to someone else's dad or Sunday school or whatever and say, Dad, Dad, you wouldn't believe what I heard. It's the most profound truth. It's already changing my life. So, Wow, what is it? And then word for word, they will quote someone else Who said exactly to them what you have said to them, word for word, the last three years. (laughs) Maybe a hundred or two hundred times. Really? Wow. I'll have to think about that. (laughs) We, We tend to get deaf to voices we are familiar with. I remember when the kids were growing up, there was a couple times... I said something to one of my kids, or maybe yelled at him, which was rare. And it sounded to me exactly like my dad. I mean, it was like an echo. I stopped and looked over my shoulder like, is he there? Do you know what you can do to help dad? Listen to dad. It's all over the book of Proverbs. Um. I'm not going to go into everything about homelessness that there is. This would take the rest of the day. But a lot of homelessness is mental illness. A lot of homelessness is drug problems, alcohol problems. But I'm going to tell you what a lot of homelessness is that seldom gets talked about. It's a a rebellion against authority problem. And I know this because my wife and I have worked with some of them, tried to help them actually get back on their feet. Uh, there was one guy in particular years ago, um, I was picking him up on Sunday mornings for about a year, and we, we would pick him up and, and bring him to church and then have him over for lunch, and then do, he'd bring his laundry, my wife would do the laundry, and, and all this other stuff. But long story short, it came to a point where, where he didn't want to get to the place in life where he was holding up his piece of the sky. And I'm going to tell you two things I learned that startled me, but then it became repetitive, and I I realized it wasn't as unique as I thought. Uh, Number one, he did not want to be like the rest of us. We were slaves. We pay bills. I'm not paying bills we have to go places at certain times. He considered, he considered that beneath him. You may find this hard to believe, but there's a percentage of homeless people that are looking down at you and I. I, I, know, I know you won't believe that unless you have the experience. But here's the other thing I found, and it was a common deni- dom- denominator with every one of them that I worked with. They all had a problem with their father's authority. And they despised that authority. God's word says, listen, listen. Here's here's another one. Encourage him. Encourage him. Um, Honoring, reverencing, listening is an encouragement, but give him verbal encouragement. Thanks, Dad, for being a good dad. You know, my dad's got to the point now, he's in his bumping up from the mid eighties to the late eighties now. And you know, I got thinking the other day, how many people live to be 90? So the day will come, I'll get that call. And it just reminds me that I need to tell him that I appreciate him, affirm him. Say, well, you know, dad's big and tough and he doesn't need any of that, you'd be surprised. He's got his insecurities just like everybody else. He may not express them. Men aren't as prone to express those things as women are. But they can use the encouragement. And I would say this, obedience is probably the greatest encouragement, along with verbal. And then lastly, lastly, appreciate. Appreciate. Now, I know we got this... uh, We got this new, you know, mold that men are supposed to fit in and they're supposed to be sensitive and part sob sister and uh, they're supposed to have a feminine side. I'm going to tell you something right now, uh, this morning, I'm 65 years old and nobody's ever found a feminine side of me. I don't have one, okay? Now, most of us men will admit there's sometimes we can be whining crybabies, which is a useful thing from time to time. Okay? <laughs> you know, by way of manipulation. But uh, forget this feminine side stuff. But he doesn't mind being told that he's loved, he doesn't mind that. And young people, You look at your folks sometimes and you'll say well i don't like the way they do this and i don't like the way they do that and you know what someday you'll get your chance to do it perfect but until then express your appreciation
1: because you're going to find out one day
0: what it's like to go out and slay those dragons and make a home for you and your family as well and it's not as easy as it looks Let's close with turning to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. And we're talking about helping dad today. Helping dad. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of thy children. Let me say one more thing to... To moms, wives, children, and uh, and then one more thing to fathers, real quickly. Uh, your husband, your dad, should not have to be perfect in your eyes for you to give him these five things we talked about this morning. You know what I think happens. People confuse inconsistency with hypocrisy. And all of us are capable of inconsistency. We can preach one ideal and strive for it and fall short of it. That's not necessarily hypocrisy, that's something that we all have. In us, and it's called inconsistency. Now, we try to be as consistent as we can, but is there anybody that's always perfectly consistent? I think not. So, that's not the same as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is willfully pretending to be something as cover for being something else. That's totally different. So, be careful about accusing your spouse or parent of hypocrisy and dads let me say one last thing you know we guys um and we got this from god god put it in adam this idea of dominion and everybody wants every man wants to conquer something or or do something special or do something unique and, and I think sometimes that even drives some of our hobbies. You know, why does a guy go out and knock himself out to get a, a big bull elk? Is it just about the meat? Um, by the time you add up the cost of the, of the three-quarter ton pickup and the odd six and the time off of work and all the other things, that, that's pretty expensive meat. And uh, same with the bass fishermen. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all about, you know, cooking the bass and eating it. <laughs> That's some pretty, pretty expensive fish. <laughs> what's it about? It's, it's about a challenge. It's about conquering. You know, guys trying to get his golf score in, in the 90s or 80s or whatever. But you know what's something that we can all do? That no one else can do and that's lead our families nobody else can lead my family but me and nobody else can lead your family but you you know what I'd say to you this morning I would say regardless of how the world has diminished fatherhood and male leadership I would say that's still a pretty big deal let's bow for a word of prayer Lord, we thank you for your word, and uh, we do pray for dads here this morning and and granddads and um, young men that aspire to have a family someday, Lord. Father, help us to pay heed to your word. There's not much out there beyond these four walls that isn't against what you're trying to make of us. So, Lord, we do need to rely so strongly on your word. And, Father, frankly, good examples. And there are so many here just in this building this morning. And, and many, many more in history. And, and if we we'll look carefully, there are those around us. Uh, the remnant, the remnant that has rejected the false teachings of our current culture. And uh, we ask, Father, that you would build the men of this church to be the leaders, the dads and the granddads that you want them to be. Lord, help everybody else to be a help to that end. Moms, wives, children, young people. And we thank you this morning that as our Heavenly Father, you are the perfect Father. And you set the best example. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take your hymnals and turn to number six hundred and thirty-four. Number six
1: thirty-four. Six thirty-four on the first. There you go. Oh, give us hope. Nice. We just thank you for this day you've given us to honor our fathers and we we just uh take the time to uh just worship you as our father lord and we just pray that you'd uh, uh just bless the rest of this day and everything that you do lord i pray that you'd uh, guide us on our way home and just be mindful of the things that we learned today we ask these things in jesus name amen